Hi, I'm Iris Muller. I'm a certified rehabilitation counselor and a proud mom of two children, one of whom has quadriplegic cerebral palsy and is nonverbal. And I'm Alma Schneider, a licensed clinical social worker and the proud mom of four children, one of whom has Prader-Willi syndrome. In this podcast, we discuss the uncensored truth about raising kids with disabilities. Prepare to laugh, cry, and hopefully learn something new. This is Two Moms No Fluff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Two Moms No Fluff. I'm Alma Schneider, and I'm here with my wonderful friend and partner, Iris Meller. And uh, we want to thank all of you for tuning in today, whether you are a veteran to Two Moms No Fluff or a new listener, we welcome you. And uh, don't forget to give us five stars and a good review after you listen to the kernels of wisdom that we will be imparting today. Uh, Iris, would you like to announce what we are going to be discussing today, our new topic? Yes, uh, we were having a bit of a hard time with the title, but uh, today we are going to discuss a, a new take on the road less traveled. And by that, we mean uh, to maybe reevaluate what is, uh, I guess, the developmental milestones that our kids usually don't reach and uh, what it means to kind of live the life with the disability and how do we cope with some of the aspects of it. And uh, I maybe want to start by sharing a little bit from uh, our early years in the disability life. And like many other parents, I used to go with uh, my daughter to all of those uh, mommy and me play dates and uh, group activities. And the thing that was very, very painful and traumatic during those first few years was the fact that uh, my daughter didn't reach any of the developmental milestones. She was quadriplegic and nonverbal. And the kids around us, especially in the first couple of years of life, people, if you have a typical child, you know how fast they change and how much they accomplish in those first two years. And for my husband and myself, the, the first uh, few years seemed like trading water, trading water, like nothing was happening, nothing was gained, nothing was achieved on the surface, people on the surface. And that uh, situation was very um, frustrating, sad, uh, maybe it felt very unrewarding. And it took me a few years to understand that I need to start evaluating life, quality of life, and to measure success in new terms and totally give up or uh, shy away from what's described in the books as the important milestones of childhood and redefined what they are for our family in a totally new way. And uh, I'll let Alma talk a little bit about her experience before I go back to kind of sharing what we did as a family. But um, there is nothing bad about the road less traveled. Let me put it this way. It's true. It's all about focusing on our kids and their own journey. I think we're all, so I'll speak for myself as well, uh, we're so caught up in what everybody else is doing, what other people's kids are doing in society. It's just, that's ingrained in us to just look to others and compare ourselves. And once we let go of that or are better able to let go of it, and it always rears its ugly head when we least expect it. And we're like, oh God, you know, that's a little bit painful. 
But once we're over the hump of really thinking about our kid, comparing them to other kids, it's a lot, it's a lot more peaceful. It's a lot, uh, our lives are a lot more joyful and uh, we can really appreciate our kids more because I think that I may be wrong about this, but I think a lot of it has to do with shame and embarrassment and narcissistic injury that our kid is there's something wrong with them. And that's what kind of comes to mind that there's something wrong with them when we're always comparing them to other kids. Once we look at our kids as an individual who has their own path, all of that other stuff kind of floats away for the most part. And I don't want to make it sound all sugar-coated and like our lives are perfect now because let me tell you, they're not. <laughs> but there's so much stress and emotional energy that is um, used up by worrying about, you know, oh, they're not doing what the other kids are. I'm going to be embarrassed when we go out. I'm going to do this. Once that falls by the wayside more and more, we're really happier people and our kids are going to be happier. So it's not as simple as maybe as I'm making it sound. Um, and it's not simple, but our hope is that everyone gets there. And it's important that we strive to get to that place because it doesn't serve anyone to be unhappy and to compare our kids to other people because they are their own individuals. And that really goes for all children. So this is not some new concept that we've come up with, but it's, it's extra meaningful because there tends to be a lot more pressure um, on fitting in when you have a child who has additional needs. So that being said, um, I'll give some personal examples of um, kind of accepting our situation to be able to be happy when there is some kind of progress. Um, when my son got rid of his feeding tube, uh, and was able to chew and swallow something that most parents take for granted. It was huge for our family. Um, it was it was hugely uh, difficult to have to feed through a feeding tube. It was messy, and it did make me feel like my kid, you know, had something wrong with him. Um, there was nothing wrong, quote unquote, he was still getting fed, but it was, it was very gratifying to see him eat and be able to swallow. And I just, you know, I want to acknowledge that not everybody is able to get off of a feeding tube. Um, but hopefully, you know, those of you who are in that situation can find other areas in your child's life where they have reached a milestone, um, that, that other kids reach way earlier um, and feel good about it just because it's an accomplishment. And it's not like he did anything. It was just, you know, we were expecting that to happen eventually with his particular syndrome of Prader-Willi syndrome, but it felt good even though it came way, way, way later than, than a typical child. So that's, that's number one. Um, I also want to add that, uh, and none of these are in order, they're not chronological, but when my son was born, my greatest fear, my great, one of the, 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 the hardest things to contend with and to wrap my head around was that he was going to, and I think I've mentioned this in other episodes, but that he would never be able to live independently. And that's just kind of a fact for people with Prader-Willi syndrome because of the nature of the syndrome. They need uh, someone with them at all times to keep them safe. 
And um, that thought was so horrible for me. It was so painful that he would never be able to live independently. But over the years, I have come to terms with the fact that a group home ain't so bad. He's going to have roommates. He's going to have housemates. And uh, that's just, it's different from most other people, but that doesn't necessarily make it bad. It might be great. A lot of kids might be lonely living by themselves. He's always going to have people around to talk to, and he loves to talk. So, you know, it's a mental shift. And um, I had to have that mental shift because it's our reality, but it's also, it's not so bad. I was thinking of it as some horrible, horrible thing. It's not so horrible. So on to you, Iris. <laughs> yeah. I think that for us, we were focusing more on ways that we can create normalcy in a way. And uh, for each family, that might be something else. But for us, those were the achievements, like going through a day that, let's say, would be pain-free or going through a day in which we as parents, like kept it calm and didn't kind of escalate with our stress level over an event or another. Um, for us, every doctor visit was like a really stressful and traumatic event. But um, the, the other days we tried to kind of keep it uh, like a positive day, not, not to get there with the peaks of kind of uh, stress. And uh, for for families that deal a lot with the with the pain management or just have feeding issues with their children, these are little things that other family that do not struggle in in those arenas don't appreciate. But you know what it is for your child. You know what it is for your family. So if you're liking to let's say document uh, in a calendar or something like that, I remember I had like a book like that of a child development uh, album when my child uh, rolled for the first time, when my child set up for the first time, crawled, walked. Obviously, that book stayed empty. It's still empty today. It was like the most uh, discouraging gift ever. But uh, I, I had this uh, urgency to kind of put items in a in a calendar in a, my yearbook to make sure that I am tracking her progress. And uh, it was because there was no progress, there wasn't almost what to track. But these are things that you can track and that you can uh, set your mind and energy towards to try and achieve them. A, a, a day that your child had a, a good feeding all through the day, a day that was stress-free a day that you were able to get out of the house with your child and be in the fresh air. For some families, just the mechanism of all the kind of add-on equipment that is attached to their baby or their children is so complex that just leaving the house is an hour-long operation. But if you can achieve that and you can mark on your calendar, we were out today. This, this is amazing. This is uh, really hard and, uh, and, and worthy of uh, noticing. Um, Alma, we spoke about this many times in this podcast, but for us, sleep was like <laughs> the thing that we were after the most. And the, every every day that we had better sleep or that we could say, wow, she slept for three hours straight, that was a, an event to celebrate. And the, even though these uh, were few and far between, those are the things that we were after. And later on, when... Um, when we understood that it cannot be achieved, that we won't progress maybe to a full night's sleep with our child, that this is going 
to be our reality, our aim was different. It wasn't for her to sleep straight, but for us to get six hours sleep, to somehow structure it that uh, each of us would get like six hours straight of sleep. And that was an achievement. We were able to be more rested and more kind of sane <laughs> afterwards. So some of those, uh, I guess, milestones are not even dependent on the, the child. It's only about you and how you kind of come to the situation, but it is worthy of noticing. It is. It's appreciating the small stuff. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, it's And that is really what we all hope for, right? Don't we all aspire to appreciate the small stuff like the Buddhas tell us, you know, in spirituality, it's like, that's the goal of everyone. And so it really needs to be the goal when you have a situation that does cause pain and does cause, uh, you know, depression or makes you just feel like you're grieving it's important to appreciate the small stuff because that is what will lift you up and will make everyone happier and have a happier life. Um, I'm reminded of a few other um, uh, situations that made me, you know, appreciative. And Iris and I talked about this a little. I hope I'm not stealing it from you that you were going to talk about uh, more. But getting to a day, I remember early on, I got to a day and I thought wow, it's been hours since I thought about the fact that my son has Prader-Willi syndrome because the terror in the beginning of this journey was that I was going to be consumed with the fact that my son had Prader-Willi syndrome all day, every day, and that was going to be my life. And um, I don't, you know, I do think about it kind of in certain ways every day because of the practical things that I have to do. But I am not consumed with the fact that my son has Prader-Willi syndrome anymore. Um, I've moved on. <laughs> so um, it's always there in some way, but it is not at the front of my brain at all times. And that is a really big deal. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that who have, you know, who thought at the beginning of their, of their situation with their child that this is going to be my all day, every day, you know, life. And, it, and it's not. And that's important to acknowledge that, wow, I've come a long way. And to pat yourself on the back that like you're working toward not making that your whole day. Because that does take work sometimes because you have to get out of yourself and get out of that piece of your life and do other things so that you have a rich, full life. Even if you're at home all day with your child, there are things that you can do like, you know, meditate while you go to the bathroom, even if it's just for a couple of minutes. Like there are things that you can appreciate. Um, something else uh, that I used to lament was, you know, not losing friends, but having friendships that were meaningful, that are no longer around. Um, and always wondering, does this have to do with how difficult our family's life is? And then I remember that I have, because of my situation, I have in incredibly meaningful relationships. And we talked about this in the Silver Linings episode of Two Moms, No Fluff, but that our friendship, my friendships tend to be really, really rich and meaningful because we share this common challenge that um, kind of forces us to get to the core of all things quickly because we don't have that much time. And also we, you know, there's joy 
that follows sorrow and it, and sharing difficult experiences brings people closer together because we trust each other and we make ourselves vulnerable in front of other people and it's reciprocated and that's really meaningful that's really deep so yes i've lost you know some relationships but um i have some pretty damn great ones as the you know not despite my son but because of him so that's that's very powerful yeah i again to the effect that uh, when i was uh, doing my masters in rehabilitation counseling i uh, you know participated in a lecture and they said a lot about like losing uh, family and friends once you have a, a child with a disability in your family and I was like, who are these people? Like, that can't happen until it happened in my family. So it is a, a grieving process. But um, as Alma likes to say, we got the family of our choice by adding the new friends to our life, people that are really partners for the journey. And that is priceless, Alma. Um, so I want to, to say something about uh, the uh, new normal, if I can say that. And uh, for our family, I think that uh, early on, I understood that uh, my daughter has really very minimal control over her own body, her extremities, and her ability to even uh, speak her will because she was nonverbal. It was very important for me at that point in time to teach her that she still has control over her life circumstances. So my goal became to give her as many options as I can throughout the day. So uh, even if it was the smallest thing of like showing two outfits, one in each hand and asking her which one she chose. And at the very beginning when she wasn't um, really able to communicate, I kind of, I forced some reactions to be her decision-making ones. And I kind of continued on and on to help her making choices with any and every activity of the day, which toy, which outfit, which food, uh, what uh, what kind of material should we uh, paint with, etc. And made her day uh, full of choices. And this is also how we started building communication skills later on. But because um, I, I know that for adults, making choices is one of the things that make us happy. If we have control over our life circumstances, and it can be as simple as of choosing one of two items. If we have that ability, then our level of satisfaction and happiness increases. So it became kind of my parenting goal to allow that option for my child and know that uh, she has a certain level of control and level of happiness as a result of that. And this is something that I think people always uh, talk about what, what is uh, the life goal for uh, children and uh, adults that they need to, uh, we spoke a little bit about that, like finish college, they need to go to, uh, to have a good job, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought about my own child and what is important for me, for her to achieve, and it was just to be happy. And it started defining how we spent our days, maybe less therapy and more quality time at home, maybe uh, more walks, uh, less uh, physical exercises or stretching exercises. And then 
when we got to the end of the day that I was able to say to myself, she was happy today. She lived a happy day. And those happy days started accumulating. And then I could say, oh, we had such a happy month or a happy year. And then you can say after the fact, a happy life. And that became my goal. That's beautiful. Beautifully put, because uh, it's really true. I mean, what is the goal of everyone's life? To be happy. You know, yeah. that's what it is. It's not to go to college. It's not to do these things that everybody else might be doing. Um, and that brings me to college. You know, I, um, you know, my son will not be going to college. Um, and that's not the worst thing in the world. College costs a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, if if it's not something that he's really going to benefit from, uh, he might, you know, we might have him take some classes if there are programs that will be accessible to him. But um, he, again, it's this idea of shifting gears and how do people spend their days when they're, you know, from 18 to 22? Uh, a lot of things that he, he can have a lot of activities that kind of mimic college that we can create, like going to museums and learning about, you know, things that might be of interest to him, um, reading him, you know, stories or having him, you know, read up on things that are of interest to him, which is basically what people do in college anyway, right? And to have socialization. So if we're providing all of those things, it's basically like a college experience without spending uh, $8 billion a year. So it's putting a positive spin on it. Again, it's not the worst thing in the world to not go to college. So these are all these are all these things that society puts on us that um, might not necessarily be beneficial for a family and not doing them might be even more beneficial. So uh, that's another you know thing that I've had to come to terms with that he won't, that he will feel bad not going to college. Not, not that I need him to go to college, but that he will feel bad about it. So we're trying to put a different kind of spin on it because it's the truth. He can do all of those things that they're doing in college, but he doesn't have to be enrolled necessarily to do it, matriculated. Um, on a completely different note, I'm going to, like I said, this isn't going in any order. It's just, you know, things that are coming to mind about, uh, about different kinds of progress. And this might be TMI, too much information, but I have had to put deodorant on my son, myself, for years because he just doesn't remember to do it. And it's important because, uh, you know, he might stink if he doesn't. Just last week, I said, let's put deodorant on. And he said, he already did. Uh. And I didn't believe him. And I lifted up his t-shirt and I smelled his pits. And lo and behold, he had put deodorant on. So... Yeah, maybe it's a little late and he's 18, but guess what? He did it. And that's one less task for me to have to do. And it relieves me of stress because he will not stink, which is another worry of mine that he will have poor hygiene and that um, people will bully him as a result. So these are things that might never show up. They ne might never come to fruition. They might come way later, like at the age of 18, but I celebrated that moment of deodorant, celebrated it. And uh, it was, you know, appreciating the small stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, big thing, <laughs> big step. Huh? Yeah. 
I think um, I, I would want to share some of the things that we did in lieu of the goals that were uh, dictated to us by ESA, etc., about uh, development, because what all ESA? of those... What's uh, like the early intervention program. Oh, oh okay. So um, one of the things that uh, I don't like about those goals is like the child would do such and such in the next uh, six months, etc. And nobody really knows what the child is capable of and the output that would come out of the child, no matter how much uh, therapy or input you put in. I would much rather see goals that are... Uh, geared towards the adults and what they can do for the child and later on see what happens to the child as a result of that. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that we did for uh, our daughter was uh, reading to her. And this is something for people who like to make lists is a good way to kind of create a list of books that you read, even if it's the same book that you read for the 700th time, but you write Wednesday, December 3rd, I read the little uh, caterpillar or the very hungry caterpillar again, and uh, what, whichever uh, good night gorilla, <laughs> whichever book you were looking at together. So um, this is a way to create a routine, create an opportunity to expose your child, obviously, to more vocabulary and to a routine, a bedtime routine, etc. We did those things with the hopes that it would help develop the intelligence. We couldn't know uh, if there is a, a way to help her develop her intelligence, but we did it anyway with the hopes that we do. Uh, same goes to like um, reciting the activities of the day at the end of each day kind of going through the motion of the day, reminding her what we did that day with the hopes that she starts memorizing things and memorizing what happened the week before or last month. And then also planning for the next day and what's about to happen, which is really helpful to some children with the, uh, autism, for example, that they need to know what to expect. And it's really important for them to be prepared. You kind of repeat the same story over and over in preparation for a certain activity or a certain uh, outing. So that was um, helpful. And I think that it was also helpful uh, for us to kind of measure things um, for ourselves, like measure little successes, like um, having a day of not eating junk in, in a day, having a day that we had time for each other and not kind of totally went crazy with caregiving, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and forgot to even say hi to each other in our relationship. Um, having a day in which we cleared some quality time to spend with our son alone without uh, his sister. So he gets what he needs and not what she needs uh, because she needs usually more than he does. So little things like that made it a little bit more achievable for us to say that a day was a success, that a period of time was a success. And without any other measures, external or internal, uh, to kind of see progress, I, I think that uh, the period that we didn't have those kind of personal measures was very dark. It was kind of like nothing is happening. Everything is one big void in which we work so, so hard, but there's nothing to show for it. 
uh, with those little parameters that we created for ourselves, we started kind of seeing progress and success. And then real progress and success started happening much later on. But uh, when she was uh, six years old, she was able to drink from a straw for the first time, which was the first thing that we could actually name that was a success. At this point in time, she already had a powered wheelchair that she was driving on her own. But her driving was so kind of uh, all over the place at that point in time that we couldn't say, oh, oh she's driving her wheelchair yet. It came about uh, six months later. But the first time that we could say she is able to do a thing was the drinking from a straw. And we had to wait six years for that to happen. So for all the parents that are now uh, in, in this void and don't have any measurable kind of achievements, create the measurable achievements. And if not around your child, do it around yourself. As Alma said, a day without reliving the trauma of the birth, <laughs> a day without a uh, without getting into an argument with your spouse, something like that, whatever it is that is on your plate. And if you can conquer a small personal uh, achievement, that is amazing. Good for you. Yeah. And it can even be something external that makes you feel bad that doesn't even have to do specifically with your child. And by that, I mean, if your child um, is not able to connect at all or communicate and you're not sure cognitively if they're even able to understand or hear you or um you know and you're you're wondering and this could go on for years it could be who they are it might make the caregivers feel better you as the parents or the caregivers to kind of create a world around them that is age appropriate so for example if a child is two and does not let you know that they are there inside. Um, you can have things in their room that are age appropriate um, for a two-year-old and it might make you feel closer to, you know, what would make you feel better if you had a typical child because there's no shame in that. You know, there's no shame in, in, uh, acknowledging and admitting that there's a loss there that there's grief and that you want to be like everybody else there's you know we are human beings and that's how that's how you know most of us function so if you have a teenager who you know is in a similar situation put up posters of things that a teenager might like in their room um because it can be taxing for the parent to feel so isolated uh, with these developmental stages that are not evident to us. So creating kind of a world around the child that maybe makes you feel like they are connected in some way, um, even if they may not be, um, there's nothing wrong with that either. And that might help you in your journey. So put up a Metallica poster for, for a 16 year old, or I'm dating myself, I don't know, age <laughs> Who's popular now at 16? I don't know. Uh, snail Billie mail. Eilish. Billie Eilish. Snail mail. Who? Billie Eilish. That's what my... Billie Eilish. Yeah, she got your Billie Eilish. She got your Taylor Swift. All those people. Put up posters. Um, no way is the wrong way. If it gets you through the day, allows you to keep your child as happy as they can be, as safe as they can be, as secure as they can be. There's, you know, as long as you're not harming them, you're not, you know... You're, you're, you got to do what you got to do to get through the day. Um, you know, you got to find what 
what you can appreciate in your own child as these, you know, milestones or these developments, anything that makes you feel like you are accomplishing something. And it might take a little digging to get there and some self, um, it, what's the word? Introspection. Um, but it's worth it because we all have to feel like we've accomplished something at the end of the day and that we're not on a, on, on the hamster wheel, just going around and around with nothing. So it's really important for everyone's mental health. Yes. And, and I've been there. Like there were periods of time that being able to wake up, take a shower and get dressed was an achievement. Uh-huh. It, it really is. And uh, I, I want to acknowledge that, that sometimes just celebrating us being able to take care of ourselves in this uh, kind of whirlpool of caring for for our child that uh, some of, of our children have really complex needs and it's ongoing um i i wish i could say that i've been eating healthy all of those years i haven't and it's still a goal that i'm trying to achieve and uh, for other people it's like staying in shape going out for walks whatever it is that uh, this life means for you something that you want to personally achieve we're uh, encouraging you to do that and uh, to measure your successes in those ways is a great fair to everyone else yeah. yeah it's like a swimming competition in which your only goal is to break your own personal record that's true your personal yeah. best alma thank you thank you enjoy this conversation with you as always and please do share with us your take on this episode and uh, the things that you do with your child with your family what are your small successes and great successes and how do you deal with the new life um, and the road less traveled alma anything else to add i think that's about it and uh, we look forward to speaking with you next time Yes. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. For more information, please go to www.twomomsnofluff.com. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating so more people can hear it. Thank you.